It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? It is Pushing the Limits time. Thank you for joining us on a Thursday. Thank you for being here. Streaming everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. And, of course, on uh, the KSHB dial. Uh, Big show lined up for you today. A lot to uh, get to, that is for sure. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, in studio, by the way, former DA here in Las Vegas. And top prosecutor when it comes to DUIs. Thomas Mosca will be joining us in studio. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, did Tucker lie again on on his show last night? I know some of you would be really shocked by that, but, yeah, I, I kind of caught him in a lie. One of many. We'll play that a little bit later on in the program as well. I had a terrible doctor's appointment tomorrow, but I won't bore you with that right now because I don't like to have, you know, famous people waiting on the line for very long. That's why. Well, the guy we have with us on the line right now He's one of my favorite comics around. Uh, he's going to be performing uh, in Las Vegas, Paulie Shore's new comedy club, Wise Guys. Tomorrow night and Saturday night, I'll be checking him out. Two shows, I believe it's 7 and 9 p.m. And, you know, I'm going to be bringing up some serious topics with Steve Hofstetter, but uh, he does that on the stage sometimes, and he's very funny about it. Here is a clip of Steve Hofstetter talking a little bit about uh, abortion and abortion rights. Listen to this. First of all, let's be clear as to the reason that they passed that law. The reason they passed that law is to prevent people from upward mobility. They passed that law, they don't give a fuck about religion or about whether, they don't even think it's killing babies. They say they think it's killing babies, and the reason I know that they don't think that is because they still work with people who've had abortions. I was talking to someone online about this, someone on Facebook was like, enough with killing the babies. I was like, you ever work with anyone who's got an abortion? Yeah, this woman in my accounting department had one. I was like, why the fuck are you still there? If your company is so blase about baby killing. If you believed she killed a baby, you'd be like, well, she is good at accounting. What they're trying to do is they're trying to saddle people with a family that they don't necessarily want in order to prevent them from getting education and eventually voting against them. Because educated people don't vote for supervillains. That is very funny and truthful. Steve Hofstetter, by the way, he's got like 200 million views on YouTube and 700,000 subscribers. It's insane. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us, my man. Always a pleasure. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I hope uh, for those who are watching the video stream, appreciate the great lengths we went to to create a at-home studio that looks exactly like a hotel room in Phoenix. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So. Hey, uh, I think I saw you last time you were in Las Vegas. I think you were perform- mm-hmm. performing downtown on Fremont Street. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But now this is this is kind of cool. A new comedy club. Obviously, you haven't been here yet. It's very new. Uh, Paulie Shore, uh, partial owner of this club. It's a really cool club. I'm sure you're excited to uh, be coming back to Las Vegas and performing. Yeah, you know, I work the I work the Wise Guys clubs in Salt Lake. Um, and you know, they're the, the people who put this together in Vegas mm-hmm. and they asked me if I would do the Vegas one. I said, yeah, you know, I'm happy to support a new club. So much of stand up in Vegas is, you know, casino based and on the strip. And that's not the people who live in Vegas. Right. No. And so, yeah. uh, what I like about this is this is actually a comedy club for locals. 
Right, exactly. It's on a street called Main Street. They call it the Art District. Uh, close okay. to downtown, and I agree with you. I, it's so cool because you're not really getting the typical tourists going here. You're getting the actual locals who, like me, who, who love going to comedy shows, really looking forward to your show uh, tomorrow. All right, so Steve, a lot to get to. We always talk about a lot of serious topics, and, and you're, one, you're extremely knowledgeable. Obviously, you cover what's going on in the world. I played some funny clips of you talking about abortion, and I remember I go back to George, the George Carlin days, right? I think he nailed it when it came to abortion. But what do you make of this situation now where the Supreme Court's going to be overturning Roe versus Wade and, you know, ta- basically taking away women's rights, what to do with their own bodies? What do you make of this? Uh, first of all, I really want to shout out to uh, all the contrarians who voted for Gary Johnson and Jill Stein and other politicians who. Uh oh, did we lose you, Steve? I think we might have lost the feed in his Phoenix hotel room. Steve, are you still there? So we see Steve, but we don't hear Steve. Is that is that is that what I'm getting here? I think I think you know how it's funny because it happens on CNN and Fox News and all the time when you have people that are that are streaming with the video feed and and this happens on live TV all the time. We also happen to be doing live radio, so this we'll we'll get Steve Hofstetter back on because it was just getting good. I just asked him about a serious topic, but don't worry, we'll get Steve Hofstetter back on the line. By the way, if you were wondering, he is performing at. Uh, this amazing comedy club, I love it. It's uh, it, it's just it's so great. It's called Wise Guys. Uh, it's in the Art District. He'll be there Friday and Saturday. Two shows, seven and nine p.m. Friday and Saturday. And uh, as soon as we get Steve back on the line with us, we will continue the conversation. I will uh, give you guys a quick story before we get uh, before we get Steve back on the line. I did uh, had a hor- I have a horrendous doctor, by the way. I had a doctor's appointment this morning. It was absolutely horrendous. And I go into the doctor's office and I notice that the doctor's this big Trump supporter. I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. I never really knew that. I felt like I was in a scene from like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I'm Larry David going to see the doctor. So I see Trump stuff uh, in, in certain places. And then I see this uh, particular doctor that I have, which I never knew, by the way, uh, a big Republican. But even worse, supports some candidates that believe Donald Trump won the election. So I go in there and I say to my doctor, and by the way, I had to wait for like an hour to see my doctor. It's just, it's the worst. And this is like one of those doctors that sells all their own pills and products and all that stuff. I say, gosh, you have your Trump stuff everywhere. And she looks at me and goes, yeah, I love him. I just think he's the best. Uh, So I will be getting another doctor, by the way. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we have the very funny Steve Hofstetter back on the line. Steve, are you there? I am here, and hotel internet is the worst, but... Do you have an Obama Uh, phone? What's the deal? Do you have an Obama phone? What's going on there? (laughs) <laughs> um, I have a regular cell phone. It's just, yeah, I'm just stuck on hotel wireless because that's the life I live. Understandable. Let's reset because uh, we didn't get your answer. I'd asked you your thoughts on the abortion issues uh, that the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I was saying that you know I really want to give a shout out to you know all of the all of the contrarians that you know hate the two party system so much that they decided to vote for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. Or, you know, another candidate that absolutely doesn't align with anything they believe. They, it just made them feel different um, and special because all of those people are exactly who brought us here. Mm. So, yeah. the yeah, especially the people who are like, oh, I support Bernie. And once he's out of the primary, and, you know, good, I voted for him too. But once he's out of the primary, then to vote for Gary Johnson, right. you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't tell the difference between a socialist and a libertarian, right. you shouldn't get to vote. 
Can you imagine? I agree. Can you imagine, Steve, what some of these poor women uh, that live in states that are run by Republicans, I would imagine many of them are going to have to go to other states. It's going to be an absolute mess. The suicide rate's going to be up. Illegal abortions. You don't hear a lot of Republicans talking about that. Yet during the coronavirus, it was terrible, right? Suicides were up. Horrible. Wish it didn't happen. But now we talk about how abortion's going to be illegal in all these states, and all of a sudden they're not talking about suicide. Well, and not just suicide, but then, you know, flash forward to 15, 20 years from now, crime is going to go up as well, because there are so many people who, I mean, we, we, we've seen those studies that crime went down 15 to 20 years after Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because when a child is brought into the world without someone to provide for them, they are much more likely to end up in a life of crime. Right. Um, and the idea of forcing people to exist in order to uh in order for you to maintain control over civilization is so disgusting and you see the hypocrisy of the quote-unquote pro-life movement with the baby formula stuff right because we're at a baby formula and so uh the democratic leadership was like all right we hear you mm-hmm. you need baby formula yep. let's do it and then 200 <laughs> right. was it 192 republicans yeah, yeah just under 200 uh, voted, voted against it yeah but against it, and the dumbest thing, by the way, that I saw today is that there are some people talking about. Well, you know, this bill included twenty million dollars for salaries. It's like, yeah, <laughs> who's going to make the formula, so you stupid. dummies? So stupid. You know, it's the same people like the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world that are all oh, baby formula. Joe Biden, it's all his fault. And then when they actually have an opportunity to vote on something, they vote against it. But this isn't the first time, Steve. Uh, you know that they do this all the time. It's so hypocritical. It's so insane. Um, do you find it difficult? Well, yeah, and, yeah. Go ahead. And also. Before we get to the next thing, I just want to say, like, I do understand why they're so concerned about baby formula, considering most of the people who vote for them are babies. So I get it. (laughs) That's that's actually very true. I I appreciate that. Is it, you know, you're so good at yet getting up on stage, talking about serious topics, but making it interesting, making it funny. This is a sensitive topic. You're not afraid to talk about anything. How are you able to talk about some of these serious topics that most comics will not even touch when they get on stage, like abortion? Well, I think the I think part of the key is, you know, I, I use what I refer to as a spoonful of sugar. You know, anyone who's ever seen Mary Poppins know knows what I mean. Right. The idea of you know, like right now I'm doing I'm doing a bit about uh gender neutral bathrooms and about why it's important to support things like that. Right. And in the middle of the bit I talk about how gross men's rooms are and the fact that we pee everywhere <laughs> and like that that's not that's not a social issue. <laughs> like that's, that's just a dumb, easy joke that allows me to get away with the heavier stuff. Right, that's brilliant. I love it, and uh, I can't, I can't wait for you to talk about that here in Vegas. Steve Hofstetter joining us. He's going to be at Wise Guys Comedy Club. Two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. I've already been to this club several times. We had T.J. Miller in studio, of course. Paulie Shore has been here, and uh, one of my favorite comics we have on the line with us right now. He is Steve Hofstetter. So, Steve, uh, you know we've had such heartbreaking news once again. It's almost like we're numb to it with these mass shootings, right? I mean, you know what happened in the supermarket in Buffalo and, and the Tucker Carlson's of the uh-huh. world that talk about the white replacement theory, and then after the shooting happens, all of a sudden they don't know what white replacement theory is. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And, and like me, do you agree that there's got to be some responsibility for some members in the media that talk about this stuff? Oh, absolutely. And also, I do want to point out that the people who are so terrified of being replaced, like, have a life that nobody wants, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, person who lives in a tiny little town in central New York. 
I'm sorry that you feel like people are coming for your life. No one, it's the same reason you're not a victim of identity theft either. What am, what am I going to do with that? Buy a roll of toilet paper? Like, stop it. Stop with it. Because it's ego. It's the idea of being like, oh, I'm so important and people, people are coming for me. And it's like, no, we're not coming for you. Absolutely, we're not coming for you. That's true. I mean, what, what are the answers here? You know, I mean, obviously, it appears to me anyway that Democrats for years, I mean, certainly since Sandy Hook, right, Obama was trying to pass comprehensive background checks and, and getting rid of what I would consider weapons of war, the weapon that this 18-year-old used. What type of world are we living in, or country, I should say, Steve, when an 18-year-old can't buy a six-pack of beer, but he can walk in there a year after threatening some of his classmates and buy an assault rifle? What type of country are we living in? Well, there there were a lot of people online who were going like who who you know when we would talk about comprehensive gun reform and and to me by the way comprehensive gun reform does not mean taking them all away comprehensive right. gun reform simply means education like you should have to know how to use a gun before buying one I think that's fair sure. and also it means. Uh, not just background checks, but registration. And a lot of people are like, well, what's registration going to do? It's like it's going to establish a chain of liability to prevent straw purchases. Right now, straw purchases are in the honor system. Like straw, What makes straw purchasing, like what prevents it is asking someone, are you buying this for someone else? And then you go, no. And they go, okay. <laughs> right. And that's, that's what prevents a straw purchase right. um, instead of actually having a chain of liability. But the, the thing that really makes this difficult is not the right, but the left, and I'll explain. We eat our own. When someone agrees with 95% of what we say, but disagrees on one point, disagrees on one small point or one big point, there are so many people on the left who will turn that person into an enemy instead of an ally. And when you turn all of your, if you turn all of your allies into enemies, what do you have left? You right. only have enemies. Yeah. And so we have to take a moment and go, you know what, we don't agree on everything. We'll work through it. But we need to talk and we need to help each other. And if you look at some of these Democratic primaries where it's like a centrist versus a progressive and they're going after each other like crazy, and it's like, guys, we need, we need one of you. Mm. We need one of you. And like, we can't have both of you seem evil. And like, that's, that's what's destroying us. Steve, I agree with you, but I think the issue, and I'm, I think what you're saying is correct with, with a lot of situations, but it doesn't appear to me that Republicans really want to do much of anything in office. A lot of them are in the back pockets of the NRA. They say more guns are the answer, not less guns. They certainly don't want to get rid of these weapons of war, these assault rifles. So I agree with what you said. But I don't know what Democrats can do these days to work with some of these lawmakers. Now, if it's everyday people, I have these conversations with people every day, and we find common ground. But so many of these Republicans are not willing to do anything when it comes to gun control. Well, here's, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. My, my solution is to vote and to run. Mm-hmm. That's my solution. It's not, a, it's not a question of reaching across the aisle. The aisle's done. Right. Like, we are past the days of, you know, there are maybe maybe 10% of, all, you know, if that many sure. are even reachable anymore. Yeah. And so what you have to do is just go, you know what, we are the we are the majority and we need to stop our infighting and we need to stop being like, well, you know, I mean, this person agrees with everything I think, but uh, they wore a suit I don't like. So I'm going to vote for someone who I completely don't believe in instead. Like, we need to stop that garbage. We need to vote in local elections Mm -hmm. and not just once every four years or even once every two years. We need to vote every damn year. We need to vote Mm -hmm. in the primaries. Mm -hmm. We need to actually be civically engaged. 
And that's the, that's the only way. Well, Steve, um, I think, and I, I think, will say, by the way, yeah, yeah. The, the dumbest argument I've heard against gun legislation is the idea of, well, criminals aren't going to follow laws. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what a compelling argument against all laws, you it, idiot. It, it, complete idiots. Like, that, yeah, I agree. That makes yeah, the idea of, oh, well, they're, they're not going to follow laws. It's like, okay, well, we made murder illegal. Should <laughs> right. we not have that illegal? Yeah, like we should just put up our hands, Steve, after another mass shooting and say, oh, oh, well, you know, uh, murderers are going to com- commit crimes. It- it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I want to bring up something that might be a little bit more lighthearted, but for somebody like you that's a stand-up comic for a living, maybe it's not. I mean, I, it's serious. I mean, you saw what happened to Dave Chappelle. Do you believe that that was partially due to what happened to Chris Rock and Will Smith. I haven't talked to you in a little bit. What were your thoughts on, on the whole Chris Rock situation and the Dave Chappelle situation? Well, I, I think it possibly had to do one with the other, but I actually think the Dave Chappelle situation kind of fixed things in a way, and I'll explain. Um, when Will Smith was, when Will Smith rushed the stage to the Oscars, which, by the way, hey, did you know you could just go to the Oscars? There's no security, apparently. Um, right. when, when Will Smith you know, went up on stage and assaulted Chris Rock. I was worried that that was going to embolden a lot of idiots. You saw in a lot of the comment threads that people were like, yeah, you should have done that if someone insults my wife. And it's like, okay, first of all, anyone who talks like that insults their wife all the time. Second of all, like, <laughs> violence is not an answer. You do not excuse escalating. That's garbage. Right. So I was worried from that. And then someone tackled Dave Chappelle, and they yeah. put his arm on backwards. Right. I don't know if you saw those pictures. I did. I did. But when that happened, I think that unemboldened a lot of people because it made them realize, oh, there are consequences. Right. No, I, I agree with you. I thought that was great that he got roughed up, and the fact that he actually had a weapon on him is, is crazy, right? I mean, Chappelle's lucky to be yeah. alive. Uh, it's scary. You know, I've always said, and I think it's pretty evident with you, you're one of the best in the world at dealing with hecklers, but is it wrong for me to say, hey, I'm going to see Steve's show on Friday. Uh, I am actually rooting for somebody in the crowd, obviously not to go up and assault you. I I don't wish that on anybody, but I actually want somebody in the crowd to mess with you just a little bit for a second so that you can destroy them. Because I, I, I just, I know you don't want that to happen, but you are so good at dealing with hecklers. I want it to happen. Does that make me a bad person? No, I, I mean, I, I understand. Everybody wants to see it. No one wants to be it. And right. I guess, and every now and then when it does happen, because it's about 5% of the time, but every now and then, like we were in Grand Junction, Colorado a couple days ago, and this one guy was just a, just a big old idiot, and he wouldn't shut up. And I, you know, told him, hey, you're going to be kicked out of the show. I predicted 20 minutes. It was actually 34. That was close. And the, uh, but actually, by the way, the artist I tore with, she texted us before the show even started and was like, guy in the third row is a problem because he was just being a jerk pre-show. He was being a jerk just to other people in the crowd. Oh my God. So anyway, as he's getting, as he's like getting kicked out, I said to him, I was like, you do understand that like this entire crowd wants blood, right? Like this is, this is their Christmas right now. And like, you think you're going to win somehow. When this entire crowd is foaming at the mouth for what's happening. And I do understand that, like, yes, that is something people like to see me do. But also, most of my fans get that, like, you know, I come to do material. It's a rare thing that happens. You know, I just, I'm a... I'm a sniper. I happen to be a good shot, but that doesn't mean that's all I want to do. No, I I, I totally understand that. Now, you're performing in Arizona tonight, is that correct? Uh, Yeah, Tucson, Arizona. So, as you know... Tucson, Arizona, big Republican area. I don't think I'm uh, out of line in saying that. So you're not afraid to I talk about it. Col- what are you talking about? 
about it. It's a college town. <laughs> it is. There's really not else, a lot else to do there except you know, they got a pretty good basketball team. No, you're right. Uh, it is It is a college town. But Arizona as a whole, we can agree, uh, predominantly Republican, right? Isn't that where they had all I'm those? Still, I'm still going to dis- I'm still going to disagree with you on that one. If you've been if you've been looking at the trends, like one of the exciting things about Arizona, and you know the reason why it did go blue in the last presidential election, is because Arizona is experiencing now what California experienced thirty years ago, mm-hmm. where California was a Republican stronghold until a very racist governor pushed the minority population too far. Right. And they got organized and things started to change. Yeah. And we saw that happen in Nevada. Um, we've seen, we're seeing that happen in Arizona right now. We're seeing that happen in Georgia right now. Mm-hmm. And like, that is what is happening. And I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm actually very encouraged about the future of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. Sometimes Arizona can be racism's test kitchen. Um, <laughs> but I think that Arizona is starting to skew blue. Yeah, and it, I and I do think it's going to continue that way. Well, I, I hope you're right. Uh, we did learn that the ridiculous forensic audit they had out there showed more votes for Joe Biden. I thought that was uh, that was somewhat hilarious, but uh, we'll have yeah. to wait and see what happens. So, Steve, I, I know we're up against the clock here, and you got to get going. But uh, really looking forward to your show on Friday. Glad you're coming back to Vegas. Like I say, always say, you're one of the best in the business, my man. But for somebody who has never seen. Steve Hofstetter before, and it seems like half the world has gone on your YouTube page, as have I. But uh, for someone that's thinking of getting some laughs, uh, talk to me about uh, your upcoming shows here in Vegas this weekend. Absolutely. Well, you know, the set I'm working on right now is is a set about identity. It's about how we see ourselves, how we see each other. Um, I certainly talk about issues, but I do it in a very, very flippant way. Um, so, you know, I will, I will be making fun. Oh, and also this week I'm celebrating because um, I released a video – that basically took everybody through how bad of a person Madison Cawthorn is. <laughs> and it got over a million views on various platforms. And then he lost by 1,300 votes. Ah, I love and it. so I'm going to take, take credit for that one. So, I love it. Uh, have you ever been Have you ever been to a Madison Cawthorn orgy, Steve? Be honest. Uh, absolutely no. I'll, I'll be honest. If I ever went to any sort of sexual encounter and Madison Cawthorn was there, that's that's when you leave. That's when you go, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm going to fire up some of the apps, try to meet a decent human being. Do, do you find Lauren Boebert attractive physically at all? Oh, no. Absolutely not. Okay, good. I'm glad the, you <laughs> Well, Well, you know, the, the thing is, is like I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, hearing someone speak before you're attracted to them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's I, fair. Yeah. That's She's fair. a horrific, horrific human being. And, like, there are people who will – like, people even said that about Palin when she was, you know, vice presidential candidate. Yeah. And, like, also, let's be honest. She's not attractive in a va- – like, she's attractive compared to what we're used to. Like, was she more attractive than Joe yeah. Biden? Absolutely. Yes, that's uh, true. But, like, yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> – if you just saw her on the street, you wouldn't be like, wow. No. No, like you would. You would. I mean, she's a, a regular human being who is a complete trash. idiot. She's and, trash. Yeah, she's yeah. trash. I see. Ocasio Cortez. Even if I didn't know she was, I just think she's smoking. But that's just me. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, she's very intelligent and 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 well spoken. But I just think Ocasio Cortez is hot. I mean, can we agree on that? Well, but also, if this is if this is why you vote for someone, you should lose your vote. Let's that's be true. Like that's this true. is not. To be you clear, not, like, <laughs> and that's to be clear. Something that people and and people were talking about that also. We were like, oh, you know, Obama's so attractive. And I'm like, well, you know, good for him. But this is not 
this is not a category that I care about when true. I'm elected when I'm electing an official. This I don't care what I don't care if someone is some under the bridge troll. If they have good policy, mm-hmm. I'm in. I agree. And to be clear, Steve, just to clear things up, I did not vote for Joe Biden because I thought he was an attractive man. I just want to be I want my listeners to know that, Steve. Hey, Steve, you're the best, man. I always appreciate it when you give me the time. And I look I cannot wait for your show. Uh, I'll be there Friday first show. So just make sure you're funny for me. okay? I I promise. (laughs) uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's great to support a local club because that way you can actually go see comedy without having to deal with the strip. You are absolutely right, and I th- you're going to love it, Steve. It's a great little club there. The people do a great job over there, and uh, you're one of the best in the business, so I'm, I'm excited for your show tomorrow. Steve Hofstetter, everybody. Thanks for your time, Steve. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Uh, I love that guy in a very heterosexual way. Uh, I really love Steve. And he's also a ginger, just like me. What I love about Steve is he's in a way like me, only he's got about a, a, a million more followers than I do. But uh, he's not afraid to talk about anything. He's not afraid to insult anybody. Uh, he's not afraid. I've seen it. In a crowd, he'll just be like, you're just a piece of trash. Shut up. Like, he'll just say that, and the girl will be sitting there, and there's a guy right next to him that looks like a huge body, and he just doesn't care. He doesn't give a crap. That's what I love about Steve. Um, and by the way, brilliant. Like, you know, some of these comedians, maybe they're not, but then you have some People that are just like George Carlin, the late George Carlin. Brilliant, right? Just a brilliant. I think Chris Rock is brilliant. Some of these comedians are extremely intelligent people when you get to know them. And and Steve is one of those guys. Like, he's really smart. Uh, I, I wish that guy ran for office because he would out-debate anybody. Yes, Steve Hofstetter is a master debater, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And, and thanks to Steve for coming on again. Wise Guys Comedy Club. Uh, he's going to be there Friday and Saturday. Two shows, 7 to 9 on Friday. And uh, 7 to 9 on Saturday. I will be definitely checking him out uh, tomorrow night. But again, not in a sexual way. I just want to be clear on that one. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think Steve is taken, by the way. But anyway, coming up next, uh, you know, got to talk about some serious topics. Not that we didn't talk about some serious topics with Steve. But uh, the guy joining me uh, in studio next, former chief deputy district attorney. And Las Vegas' former lead DUI prosecutor. He's dressed to impress today, by the way. Uh, I'm wearing sandals if you're watching on the stream right now. I'm wearing golf shorts and some uh, comped uh, T-shirt that I got at some casino. So that's, that's how I'm dressed right now. So uh, you know what? If you, when you're the former chief deputy district attorney, you dress to impress. So uh, Thomas Moskal will be joining us next on the show. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Pushing the limits on a Thursday. So glad that you can join us. Hey, we got the Aces tonight. It's going to be fun. They're playing the Mercury, right? If I'm not mistaken. To the anti-vaxxers that think that there's Mercury in uh, in the vaccinations. Uh, anyway, that should be a fun one. By the way, I want to tell you guys real quickly about uh, one of my favorite spots in town. It's called Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones. Brian Slipbox, the owner there. You walk in there, you mention my name. And you sign up for a player's card. You get $10 free slot play. And if you hit a jackpot there this month, they're going to give you 10% on whatever you hit in free play. So, great atmosphere, great bartenders, just a great food, great everything, man. I love that place. Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones, and tell them I sent you. So, I've been known from time to time to interview attorneys. Uh, Actually, did you know, uh, Numchuck, that my personal attorney, 
saved my life when I got COVID. Are you aware of that? That's her, the one that called 911 for you? Yes. Yeah. Her name is Sandy Van. She's awesome. She's the one who actually took me to the John Legend concert a few weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, she is the best. And I met this man through my very good friend who saved my life. Uh, she's very lucky that she didn't have to give me mouth to mouth. I know she's very happy about that. But uh, I met this man in studio through Sandy. Uh, his name is Thomas Moscow, and you might... Uh, find this name very familiar uh, because he's the former chief deputy district attorney here and also Las Vegas' former lead DUI prosecutor. So always great to have Thomas in studio. I appreciate you being here. How are hey, you? Brian. Good, good. You, you know. are you are dressed like like you should be, a very successful attorney. I'm dressed like an idiot radio guy. Is that a fair... Well, you got to project success. That's what they say, right? <laughs> that's true. I, uh, clearly, I don't know how to do that. that, 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 that that's clear. But well, anyway. I don't know. Success for a radio jockey might be different than for an attorney. And yeah, you know, Sandy's a personal friend of mine. I know her very well. She's awesome. Yeah. And she's sent me a picture of you at the John Legend concert with her. Oh, cool. And yeah. just to say, you know, Sandy still wears her mask. She still takes COVID She's very, very careful, yes. You know, her mother is an at-risk person. And just goes to say, uh, if she had to give you mouth-to-mouth, you might not have made it. <laughs> You might not have made it. I don't know if she'd risk that. that Probably not. And by the way, I wouldn't blame her. But no, she's awesome. Listen, there's a lot of really good attorneys in this town. Obviously, you're one of them. There's a lot of attorneys in this town. Um, I hate to use the term ambulance chaser. I call Joey Gilbert that because I think he's a moron. He's running for governor. I'm not asking you to, to trash any specific attorneys. I wouldn't put you in that position. However, you've been in this business a long time. There are some bad attorneys all over the place. Particularly here in Las Vegas, I, I just feel like there's. Uh, let me let me ask you a question. I don't know where I'm going with that, but let me ask you a question. When we see a big case like, for example, the money that is going to be given out to the Sandy Hook victims, for example, and you have a huge payout, uh, a class action lawsuit. Say it's I don't know, five hundred million dollars. Do you think an attorney deserves a third of that? I've always had a problem with that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, when you're going for something like that. Uh, some kind of mass tort. Let's say Johnson and Johnson's a big lawsuit that's coming down. Right. Um, look, years and years of work goes into that, mm-hmm. and these attorneys are putting their own resources and they're spending their own money on it, and they're representing hundreds, sometimes thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of clients mm-hmm. against some of the biggest corporations uh, who are fighting this thing to the hilt. Mm-hmm. We'll, you know, there's they'll take they'll appeal something all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court if they can to avoid paying. Right. These companies try to delay, delay, delay payment. I get all what and you're so, saying. And so if yeah. there's not a huge payout, yeah. then these attorneys are not going to sacrifice the years and resources and money to chase down justice for those victims. That's a fair point. I don't disagree with anything you said, and in no way do I want to diminish the hard work that many of the good attorneys out there do. With that being said, the Champlain uh, in Florida, the, the, the apartment complex, uh, the high-rise that went down where all these people died, terrible tragedy, right? And, and people need to be held to account responsible, not just financially, but uh, criminally, in my opinion. The settlement was somewhere around $1 billion spread out to all the families. I am not saying these attorneys didn't put in a lot of hard work. I appreciate their work, and these families deserve the money that they're going to be getting. It won't bring their, their family members back, sadly, but they do. So you're okay, though, with, uh, I don't know, $300 million not given to the families, $300 million out of that billion dollars given to a team of attorneys. I find that to be too much money. I don't discount what you just said, and I agree with you to an extent. I just find there are certain settlements where maybe there should be a cap. Do you disagree with that? Uh, I could see how that number you throw out, it sounds like a lot. But when you really track how these settlements play out at the end mm-hmm. – um, First of all, just because the settlement comes down doesn't mean the payment's even coming. Right. There's another fight even after the settlement to even try to get those payments. Mm-hmm. 
And right now, you know, you have the you you have the U.S. Supreme Court should be hearing a case on this soon. But they're allowing these corporations to file bankruptcy after they lose, and just shove a little bit of money into these uh, right. accounts just to pay out for bankruptcy. So there's all these other things besides just the figure you're looking at. Yeah. Look, I understand the thirty percent. Uh, you know the problem with it, but you know that's you have to establish some percentage as a cap. Right. So there's always going to be a cap, right? Sure. The question is how much is the cap? Understood. I just think there's so many inconsistencies with our justice system. Like for example, you could be hit by a drunk driver. Maybe a drunk driver has no insurance, and you could lose both your limbs, and maybe you don't even get five grand. And then you can go into a supermarket or a casino and slip and get six figures. I have a huge problem with that. Now I understand if the person doesn't have any money, doesn't have any insurance. Where does the money come? I understand that. But it's just, it, to me, I have, it's just, and I talk, I've talked with Sandy about this before, where, you know, you'll have clients where you can't get any money for them, a couple grand, and they lose a leg, and then somebody maybe even stages uh, a fall in a supermarket or a casino. It happens all the time. And, happens, yeah, and, happens. And, and they're getting these huge payouts. And, and I don't know. What can be done? As a former DA here, what can be done to rectify that? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, well, you, what, you know, age old saying, you can't get blood from a turnip. Right. You know, so the first thing attorneys are looking at when they're deciding to take a case and put their own resources at risk is, is there a pocket to go after? And that's where the insurance comes in. You know, I see it all the time, too. I mean, you know, I, dealt, I, would, you know, I prosecuted a lot of DUI death cases where the victims were coming in my office going, oh, my civil case, this guy had no insurance. There's nothing that can be done. Well, there is something that can be done. You can take the case to trial. You can get a huge judgment against the guy. But a lot of people are judgment proof. O.J. Simpson, perfect example, right? Here's a guy in Las Vegas who, in my personal opinion, if he wasn't responsible for those double murders, he knows who was. And I I believe he was there on the scene of the crime. Um, He's found not guilty, of course, in the double murder case, but he's found civilly liable by the Goldman family. Can't touch his NFL money that he's getting from retirement. We know that he's getting paid. I know this for a fact, by the way. He's getting paid money by certain people under the table. So, you know, taxes won't see that. So you're right. You can hold a civil lien on some, but it doesn't mean you're ever going to really get paid. And if you do get paid, it's not going to be anywhere near the amount of money that a judge awarded, correct? Well, it's the same thing with child support, right? I mean, people, you know, a guy owes his his baby mama child support. And next thing you know, he's doing everything in the world he can to not be on paper as making money because he doesn't want to give any of it up. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, you think about O.J. Simpson, a guy who actually is living a certain lifestyle, how hard it is to get, get at those funds. Mm-hmm. But when you take somebody who really has no money, has no job, has no insurance on their car, uh, yeah, it's a travesty that hits a lot of people, you know. And so the there could be something interesting that somebody told me recently where if we had a different system instead of insurance um, – Somebody gets into a car accident. There's algorithms. Technology could solve this where let's say every citizen in Clark County, there's a car accident. We see what the injuries are. We see what the bills are. And every citizen in Clark County is debited a fraction of a penny, mm-hmm. you know, to put towards that. Um, no one would ever feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be something where that's a real general idea that this technology guy brought to me the other day. Um, because right now, insurance, just think about the business of insurance. You want to talk about people making a lot of money a lot of corruption i mean insurance companies are one of the biggest money-making companies one of the most profitable companies scumbags uh businesses (laughs) a lot of scumbags i just think there are so many scumbags that work for insurance companies here and listen they're told if you let me tell you this brian so let's go back to the narrative that's been put out there not only to you and the public but also u.s senate 
uh, Congress, yeah. all these big corporations, all these big insurance companies, they're really putting out the narrative of the plaintiff's attorneys are making too much money. Plaintiff's attorney. Johnson & Johnson has $500 billion in cash sitting on the books. They just filed bankruptcy. They made a Texas corporation. We called the Texas Two-Step. Mm -hmm. There was asbestos in the baby powder. It was proven at trial. They haven't even taken the thing off the market except for in Canada and the U.S. They're still selling it everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And they made a Texas corporation, put all the baby powder liability in there, bankrupted yeah. it. And the U.S. bankruptcy court said, oh, it's okay to do that just mm -hmm. to avoid paying out. You know, so you got to think about these narratives that are being put forth. And one of the biggest narratives being pushed in this country by the powers that be who are on the defense side of things yeah. are the plaintiff's attorneys make too much money. Cap them. Look at these huge judgments. Yeah. And the things that are flying under the radar are, well, what are, what, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin, you know? Yeah, that's a and fair point. If you want the best, if you want the best damn attorneys on the job, there has to be a payout for it. You know? I understand. And so I, you, but, but there are a me. lot of that, that's me. But there are you a know, lot of I'm an attorney speaking. I understand. I, I like to make more money than less. Fair like enough. And you went else. to school. You worked hard. And and I don't want to diminish that. I just uh, but I want the good attorneys to make a lot of money. There are a lot of bad attorneys in this well, town that this. are making a lot of money. I'll say that there's a lot of the worst attorneys make the most money because you, they're yeah. businessmen disguised as attorneys. I used to say that as a prosecutor. Yeah. It's the reason I went into criminal defense. Is <coughs> Glenn, Glenn Lerner! <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had, a, <laughs> I had a cough there in my throat. I apologize. Um, Glenn Lerner used to walk in and do some criminal cases way back before Listen, man, I hired them. Had no idea what he did. I had somebody hit me. I, I've been lucky in a sense that I've been in a few accidents, haven't been uh, tremendously hurt. I was in a crash. I hired Glenn Lerner. Horrible. First of all, I never saw him, which is fine. I know they have a lot of people working on they were horrendous. The opposite of Sandy. When I was hit by somebody, and by the way, it's interesting. I, was, I hadn't seen my ex-fiance in like five years. She was in Vegas. She's like, hey, let's catch up. I'm like, okay. That was like God's way of saying, don't hang out with your ex-fiance because somebody hit me from behind. And, and you know, I contact Sandy's office. They could not have been nicer. Uh, they took care of me. They, not only did they get me the maximum settlement, but they, I sound like a, an attorney commercial now. <laughs> but I'm being honest. Um, you know, I have no reason to lie. Glenn Lerner, the opposite. The opposite. Got a very itty-bitty settlement, and it wasn't because the guy didn't have insurance. I feel like with some of the lousy attorneys in town, I feel like if they don't feel like they're going to make a lot of money off your case, they don't put the maximum effort in. But I feel like with Sandy's office, they put the effort in to try to get me that maximum settlement. And I feel like other attorneys, if they don't see a big number, and again, not the majority of attorneys, but I feel like that's the way I was treated. Well, you know, a lot of these law firms, the ones that you see that are advertising a lot, yeah. they're not really lawyers. They're just businesses. And they're aggregating cases. They're bringing them in. And if there has to be any work done on the case, a lot of times they're farming that out and still taking a big percentage of your case. Really? Think about this. You know, I had somebody contact I never knew me that. recently. Wow. They sign you as a client, and then they have you in a contract going, if you decide that they're not doing a good job for you and they go with somebody else – an attorney like me is like, I'm reluctant to take it because I know that they're going to put a lien on the case. Right. And no matter what result we get at the end, they're going to say that they're owed a certain percentage of that. And so the whole point is to get you locked in as quickly as possible into a case. And I just tell people out there, look, don't feel so rushed the minute you get into an accident or the minute that you get arrested that you have to get an attorney in the next hour. They're using that desperation to get you signed. Once you sign that contract, they're in there with those guys. And I'm, I'm afraid to say that the best marketers, the salesmen, 
who are not really attorneys, they're pros at getting your business very quickly. I once had an attorney. I was literally getting a CAT scan. and um, No. Yeah, I was literally getting a CAT scan. The guy that was giving me the CAT scan said, hey, I know this attorney really good because obviously this person's getting a kickback. Obviously. And I, yeah, and I got an – they Ubered me. From the emergency room to their office, can you can you believe that? So do you think do you think that's a little bit wrong? It's illegal. Is it really? Oh, I it's didn't unethical and illegal. But everybody's doing it, right? So that's where the ambulance chasing come. You know, ambulance chasing used to be what they did a long yeah. time ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's illegal. It was then. You can't. They have to contact you. You're not allowed to solicit their business. Mm. But yeah, the doctors are getting kickbacks. You know, um, a lot of bad doctors in this city. Also, oh man, you have. I pushing mean, drugs that they shouldn't be given to their patients and making money. Well, they're getting kickbacks from the drug yeah. company. Oh, I have a horrible doctor. Right. I had a doctor's appointment this morning. By the way, uh, not to get political, but I will, but she had Trump stuff everywhere. I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> first of all, half the people are not going to want to go see you because of all this stuff. I mean, that's just reality, number one. And number two, uh, I'm talking to her about uh, something that I need help with, okay, something specific. It's funny how everybody calls me when I'm on the air. It shows you how much they care about me. But anyway, um, she's trying to sell her own products right uh what do you call it where there's no it's not approved by the fda and it's just it's like one of these i don't even know what it's called but she she has a website where she tries to sell her own like skincare yeah like crap like that you know and i'm like how unprofessional is that you have people that actually have real issues that need your help and you're trying to make more money off them how did you find this doctor through, through a friend of mine. He, he recommended her. Okay. Uh, and he said, hey, this doctor's doing this, this, and this for me. I feel like I'm 20 years old again. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, complete fraud. Well, you know, is something I heard what you were saying earlier about, you know, the Buffalo shooting. And, you know, a lot of that relates to information that you can find online and misinformation you can find online. Well, yeah. I always feel bad for people, like, trying to find a good doctor. You're literally asking somebody. Do you know a doctor this good? Or if you have a doctor friend, you say, what doctor would you recommend? I mean, you can't – for the average person to find a good doctor, it's impossible. Very difficult. It's just a crapshoot. Can I ask you a question? I don't know what your political affiliation is. Uh, Do you mind me asking that? You lean a little to the right, right? Is that fair to say? I mean, I'm I'm independent, registered independent. What do you think about Hillary Clinton? Not a big fan? Um, You could leave it at that. I used to not be a big fan. I haven't thought about her in a long time. Who is your least favorite politician? Right now, you said, I can't stand that person. Who would that be right now? You know, I'm going to tell you, I'm real careful on what I consume, not only what I eat. Well, you're a good – I'm not. But the information that I take in (laughs) and what I read. And so I'll tell you the truth. I don't even have cable TV. You're probably better off. I watch watch local news just to see what's going on locally. But there's a reason why I Um, ask you that because if you could think of – is there somebody that you really dislike? If they had posters like a doctor or an attorney, say you wanted to hire an attorney, which I don't know why you ever would. You could do it yourself. But but like would you – Hire somebody like that or go to a doctor that supports a candidate that you just can't stand? Am I wrong in feeling that way? I'll tell you this. I would not necessarily like to be in any doctor's office where they're even showing their political leanings right. like that. Like, I agree. Yeah. Look, let's just keep that out of this. Right. And I think it's – I think it says a lot about a doctor if they're actually doing that at their business. Yes, I went to a doctor it today and they were doing that. that. Because it's an IQ test at yeah. this point. You're so you know what I said? Business. Can I tell you what I said? I agree with you 100%, by the way. And right, they're running a business. It's bad business. So I've been seeing this doctor for several years, okay? And I hadn't gone in like a, a year. It was just a regular checkup. I've been seeing her for several years. I walk in there and she's got Trump stuff. And I'm like, 
hmm, this is interesting. I never knew this about her. But I, I don't a think. Red flag. <laughs> I, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, listen, I just want to take care of what I need to take care of. Get the hell out of here. And then I see these other candidates, some of whom I've interviewed, who are complete clowns. Yeah. I'll just say one of them, okay? Jim Marchant, complete clown, complete imbecile, who still thinks Trump won the election, COVID misinformation. Uh, I feel like he's got an IQ of 20. But, Jim, you're welcome to come back in studio, and we'll test that IQ of yours. But anyway, and I'm thinking to my – so I say to Once my – he's really low. <laughs> 20 is pretty low. You're right. You're right. Uh, trust me, if you, if you had a conversation with him, you'd agree with me. But anyway, um, I say to my doctor, she finally comes in after I'm waiting for an hour to see her. And I'm like, that's it. This is the last time I'm going to see this doctor. That's it. I say, well, I, I see you got a, a Jim Marchant thing there, huh? She, she, oh, yeah. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah. I, I really love him. And I wanted to say to her, you support idiots. But then I'm like, okay, is she going to prescribe me medication that's going to kill me? I can't say something like to offend her. I, right. I, <laughs> I want to say you're a moron, okay? First of all, you're a Trump supporter? Fine. I think you're an idiot for supporting uh, Trump, but fine. Why are you posting that everywhere? Do you think everybody in Las Vegas is a Donald Trump supporter? Newsflash, they're not. You're going to get Democrats coming in. You're going to keep that crap to yourself. And number two... Like, why didn't you just lie to me and say, oh, yeah, Jim's one of my patients, so, you know, I, I, I give flyers. Like, she could have lied to me. And I, I, do you realize how hard it is for me to, to not speak out like that? And I had to keep my mouth shut because I'm like, all right, next time I get blood work here, are they going to stab me 30 times? Like, you know? Well, let's well, see the other thing, too. What do they say? You know, I'm being from serious. From a distance, dude. Yeah. you know, yeah. a wise man and an idiot arguing. Right. You can't tell who is who. So. <laughs> right. You know, you know that, that. So no, I don't have a least favorite politician. I I, I treat politics more as uh, entertainment when I'm watching it. Uh, it's sad I'm, though. I'm more involved in the sad. local stuff than mm-hmm. the national stuff. I think what mm-hmm. happens locally is much more important to our local environment or what we're doing here. What do you think of Governor um, Sisolak then? Well, uh, I've known Governor Sisolak for a while. Uh, his daughter was a public defender. Mm-hmm. Practiced uh, with her for a while. Um, you know, and I'm I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't really dig too deep into what Governor Sisolak is about, so I don't have an opinion on him. Um, but what I do stay more involved in is what local sheriffs, what the local policing's like. How about Lombardo? What our local judges are. You must have opinion on him. Well, Lombardo, as a sheriff, I think he t- had some big missteps. Agree. You know, uh, one thing that I really disagreed with that he did before was um, – uh, Look, he stopped having Metro respond to accidents. That was a big thing. And you probably – Glenn Lerner, which hey, is, call us up. We'll respond. Which right? is also ridiculous. Well – You need a police officer there. The next thing you know is uh, DUI arrests went down like 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, And that could be couched two ways. You go, hey, Vegas is doing better, less DUI. Yeah, it's Or not. it's really, hey, you're not responding to the more yeah. serious DUI accidents. Such a good point. point. Such and, a good point. But you know, I, what, yeah. you know what steered him back towards doing that was uh, I think the criminal defense attorneys. Their business went down, mm-hmm. right? So they were jumping up and down. Uh, reclassification of crimes was another big one um, that I think people are starting to see. You know, they had this this guy just got out of prison or he just came up for parole. It was denied, but he wasn't supposed to come up for parole till 25 years. Now it's at the 19 year mark. And mm-hmm. they go, oh, because his cl- crime has been reclassified as nonviolent. Now he's up for early release. All these things that was not originally intended. I mean, this guy, they found like six severed dog heads in this guy's fridge. Are you, you kidding know? me? Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer of dogs? Oh, my God. Well, you know, they always say you That's start awful. with animals and you move on, right? Jeffrey Dahmer. He cut off their heads? Dogs' heads? I'm not going to – I don't want to be quoted. Was it Donald Trump Jr.? Six dogs. Was it Donald Trump and, Jr.? Uh, no. Somebody else? 
Is, is he known for that? I don't know. He's, I don't know he's a he hunter. He hunts. He, he cuts off heads and he mounts them on. Uh, he hunts. He hunts animals. I, I don't see much difference there. But anyway, like I don't know. I don't know. Taking the local lassie, <laughs> well, that's worse. Dog and cutting their head. Obviously, off that's worse. But I think it's okay. the same. Obviously, I'm making. <laughs> thank you, thank I'm, I'm being. I made a little bit of a joke. But I think anybody who hunts animals cuts off their heads. Obviously, this is different. It wasn't hunting. It was. I mean, murdering dogs. That's what. But I think anybody yeah, who you hunts hunt with a dog biscuit to your neighbors. Yeah. Your neighbors' dogs. <laughs> yeah. Look, but what I'm saying is, Lombardo, Lombardo was not the one who made the decision to reclassify reclassify crimes as nonviolent but the sheriff always stands to benefit from that politically because when they start reclassifying home invasion as nonviolent then they get to go hey violent crime has gone down in clark county by x amount Mm -hmm. and us in the system in the trenches we go that's because you reclassified the crimes it's not because crime is down and it also means this Mm -hmm. if it's a nonviolent crime police don't have to respond right away so on a home invasion is nonviolent now if that guy's not right in your house then, hey, Metro will be buying three or four days. Absurd. Which is great for a criminal defense attorney to later go, the investigation was completely shot. Yeah, that's that's absurd, and I agree with you. He's made some mistakes. I think the October 1 situation, I don't blame Lombardo or Metro Police for what that bastard did, but I do blame the one officer who froze for eight minutes that could have saved a number of lives. I do blame Sheriff Lombardo for not being completely transparent with timelines. And, and I understand that they have a relationship with casinos. I get that. But when you have the biggest mass shooting in the history of this country, you better be transparent. Now's not the time. And I didn't think uh, he was extremely transparent. Again, this is a guy who refused to admit that Trump uh, lost the election in 2020 until fairly recently. And now he's, he's you know, saying, yeah, Joe Biden's our president. Well, too late. You were the moron. Oh, is that Lombardo? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been very inconsistent. He's been known as a flip-flopper. There's a lot of Republicans that aren't like him, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I've, I've picked, since I got here 20 years, I've picked every election right as far as governor. And I'm going to okay. tell you what's going to happen. Lombardo is going to win on the Republican side. He's going to be running against Sisolak. He donated to Sisolak years back. They're friends. Republicans don't like that. While Sisolak, I have my uh, criticisms of him. I think he's a decent man. I think he made some very difficult choices. And I told him this. I spoke with him in person a few weeks ago at an Aces game. I said, I appreciate the difficult decisions you made. Not perfect. I don't agree with everything. Right. But I believe he didn't do things so that he can remain in power necessarily. He did things for the most part. For the good of the people. He shut down businesses, not because he wanted to ruin people's lives, but because I believe it was the right thing to do. And so many of his infectious disease experts that he had agreed. Um, So I appreciate that about him. Sisolak's going to win re-election. There's too many Democrats in this state, number one. Uh, To beat somebody like Sisolak in Nevada, you have to find some independents and some Democrats to be on your side. And I just don't see Lombardo being – he'll get support from from the alt-right. He's not going to get the support on the overwhelming uh, majority of people in the state. That's my personal well, opinion. Yeah, I think I think this election is going to be a little bit uh, hairy because uh, I think I think the Republicans are going to be coming out in force, mm-hmm. and the rurals are going to be huge for Republican votes. You know, um, and so it's going to be a close race. It's going to be think a it'll close be, race. I think it'll be it's fairly close. It's about voter yeah. turnout. It's about voter mm-hmm. turnout. Is the left going to come out? Are the Democrats going to come out and vote? Who comes out in the last election? The Democrats came out hard, of mm-hmm. course, for obvious reasons, right? right? You know, they didn't want Trump to come back in. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's sense, you know, and this is one of the issues in, in local politics especially, but it's a lack of voter involvement. And it's, a, it's this feeling of complacency of I don't need to get out there to the polls. Right. And, you know, I think that affects a lot of issues. I agree. Uh, I think that enough will come out. Enough will come out uh, to vote for Syslock. Maybe not a huge turnout, but enough. Uh, that Lombardo won't win. Well, we'll I, see. You're 100% from the field? 
Maybe we can. Can we vote on? I've it? never. I've never lost. This down at the. Uh, uh, I don't know. The is there? Book? Is there? You can't. Unfortunately, Come on, you can't. Be a way. Uh, offshore, you can, but I, I don't think you can bet. Uh, it's not legal in the state of Nevada, at least not yet. Uh, the Gaming Commission has not approved uh, politician-type uh, exotic okay. bets. You can. You can do it offshore. I'm sure there'll be places offshore where you can do that. You can bet. You couldn't okay. bet on the uh, presidential election here, but you could bet it offshore. Um, That's and a I, high hit rate you have right there. I, I know. Place a bet. Well, I think it's very predictable. I think politics are very predictable. I was wrong in the presidential election. I thought Hillary was going to win. I did call Biden, uh, but that was the only presidential election since I was 18 years old. I did pick George W. Bush over Al Gore. Uh, I've been right. I did pick Obama twice, uh, but I thought Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump, and I was. that was the one election that I got wrong, but I wasn't alone. A lot of people did, too. Uh, I think if Hillary ran against Trump again, I think Hillary would win. But anyway, that's my—that's just my opinion. But if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Thomas Moskal. He's a former chief deputy district attorney and uh, Las Vegas' former lead DUI prosecutor. We're going to take a break. Uh, Thomas is going to stick around nice enough for another segment. When we come back, I, I just wanted to ask you this question. I remember the movie 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Love Eddie it. Murphy. Okay, so Nick Nolte plays a cop. And there's a scene in the movie where he gets into it with a guy at a bar. And the guy, you convicted me four years ago of this, this, and this. So when we come back, I want to ask you that question. Have you ever ran into a guy that you actually prosecuted uh, out in general public? I'm going to ask you that and, and, and a lot of other questions as well. We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back uh, right after this with Thomas Moskal. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Broadcasting not just on the 1400 dial KSHP, but also streaming live, Pushing the Limits Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, my Twitter page. And uh, always a pleasure, Thomas Moskal joining us in studio. He's the former chief deputy district attorney and Las Vegas' former lead DUI prosecutor. I'll probably ask you a little bit about rugs here in a few minutes, but let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about social media, and let's talk about, you know, you can't really yell fire in a crowded theater, right? It's a private business, and everybody talks about freedom of speech. Do you agree with me, Thomas, that seems like a lot of Republicans say, whoa, what happened to my freedom of speech? That only pertains to the government, right? You can go on a sidewalk and say, I don't know, I hate white people or I hate black people. I wouldn't advise you do that because you'll probably lose your job and you're a racist, but the government can't arrest you for that, right? But if you go on social media and you say something like that or you incite violence, it, can't that be a crime? Well, I'll even say this. Like, look, freedom of speech has its own contours, and those contours have been delineated over a couple hundred years by the courts. So hate speech is actually not protected. So you wouldn't even be able to go on a sidewalk and say, oh, I hate these people. Oh, really? Inciting mm. violence is not protected speech. So what is Elon Musk talking about then? What are these Republicans talking Not all of them, but do, do they not understand that if you put up COVID misinformation that could hurt or kill people, when you when you put up, I don't know, white theory the, 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 these these weird things that these republicans are talking about and then somebody goes out some 18 year old goes out and starts shooting a bunch of black people and kill a bunch of black people can't elon musk if if in fact he does buy twitter which by the way i'm not sure he's going to all these people think it's an assumption it's an assumption i don't know if he does and if he just lets anybody like a donald trump or anybody go on social media and say things that could incite violence can't they be held civilly liable if something happens 
Well, you know, I was actually thinking about that earlier. Um, I think there is a potential lawsuit out there. Uh, it could be big. Attorneys would have to look at it from a certain angle. Of course, they're going to take the freedom of speech defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could be a potentially big payout if you could prove that the you know violence was incited and that they were negligent somehow. And there's been a lot of interesting uh, legal theories put forth by the plaintiffs bar. That's some some interesting work. And so yeah. that's one that actually needs to get a close look at it. But, but the January the payoff 6th? would have to be big for these attorneys to take that case. Understood. Let's talk right, about Brian, Jan. Uh, so fair let enough. Let's make our money. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. I'll retract. Uh, January 6th, I tell people all the time that say Donald Trump's not responsible at all for what happened, and I ask them a very simple question, Thomas, which is, if Donald Trump didn't lie, and that's what it is, it's a lie, he didn't win the 2020 elections, Democrats didn't cheat, um, for months before January 6th, all over the place, people saying, Trump won the election, the Democrats cheated, they cheated, Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. That's the reason why January 6th happened. If Trump didn't do that, I think we all could agree, any reasonable person would agree, Republican or Democrat, if you're a reasonable person. If Trump didn't do that for months before and incite what took place on January 6th, January 6th doesn't happen. 140 officers were injured. Several people committed suicide after that day. You had a woman that was trampled. We had a woman that was shot by an FBI officer. Justified, but still, people died that day. How is Donald Trump not criminally, partially responsible for what took place on January 6th? Well, you know, I'm not an expert on uh, federal incitement law as a crime. I did some of this for international criminal courts a long time ago uh, because there's a lot of inciting violence in these, like Rwanda, the uh, the countries like that. Uh, And so, yeah, you'd have to link it uh, to that, but it all comes down to this freedom of speech dichotomy that's on the other side. And you know, look, freedom of speech is an experiment in America. It's been a 250-year experiment, mm-hmm. and it, it's a great idea, but maybe, you know, we always delineate contours, but maybe there needs to be some rethinking of it. The idea behind freedom of speech is this. Let people say whatever they're going to say, and as long as we're not blocking the good speech out from the bad speech, we don't make judgment calls on either of it, and people have access, and that will stop this kind of incitement. But I think we're seeing nowadays, you know, the founding forefathers didn't think about social media and what was going to happen there. And so this guy's bulletproof. I mean, Donald Trump's been bulletproof ever since. Somewhat. He does. If if somebody uh, I agree with you, if somebody came up to you, a wife of of an officer who, I don't know, let's just say hypothetically speaking, maybe had brain damage or something and his life has never been the same, was beat by some of these insurrectionists almost to death. And his life is, you know, never going to be the same. And she come up to you and said, I want Donald Trump held responsible. I've got 20 or so other families that want to sue Donald Trump. Do you think they would have a case, number one? And is that a case uh, if you had the opportunity that you would take? Me personally? Yeah. No, I wouldn't take that case. You wouldn't take it. Why no. not? Um, it's, it's such an uphill battle. Like I said, the time and resources that you're putting into it as an attorney – but you have to be careful where you're spending your time and resources, uh, what, what, what hills you're ready to die on. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there would be an attorney out there that might want to get some notoriety from it. Uh, but at the end of the day, Donald Trump has shown that he is going to the mattresses. Mm. Okay, He's going to have all of his attorneys all over it. They're going to be suing, counter-suing you. Uh, it's basically going to envelop the next five to ten years of your life mm-hmm. as a victim trying to sue him, as an attorney trying to be involved in that lawsuit. And look, we all have a limited time here on this planet, right? And so uh, there's a lot of justice that needs to get be done for people out there. 
And so for me personally, going after Donald Trump for that, it wouldn't be on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I try to, I like to focus more on things locally. Well, let's talk about one locally. Um, Henry Ruggs, uh, we've talked about this with you before. Uh, as far as this case goes, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think he's going to get? Do you think it's going to be some sort of plea deal? How much uh, present time do you think he will actually serve, assuming he's you know good behavior? Okay, well... So the rugs, they had a key decision in rugs came down last week. Um, what's real interesting is you have his passenger slash girlfriend has a civil attorney, Pete Christiansen, is uh, trying to block her medical records from being released. Why? Uh, well, if the prosecutors can't get her medical records to show she had a broken bone, um, and if she's not going to testify correctly that she was hurt, well, then one of his charges goes away: DUI resulting in substantial bodily harm. That'll cut his exposure in half. He'll only be charged with the DUI death. But the uh, district court judge last week did rule on the appeal, uh, saying that, no, the medical records are going to be out. Tara Good. Clark Newberry, uh, you know, look, if you guys have a chance to vote for Tara Clark Newberry, she's mm -hmm. not running this election. Uh, she's a newer judge, but, man, I love the way she analyzed the law in court. I'm glad she did that. Uh, but, yeah, so those records are out. So now he's facing 40 years instead of 20. Um, they may try to appeal that to the to the Nevada Supreme Court. Um and so that was an interesting decision right there. Which is not good for him. Which is bad for Ruggs. Good. Bad for Ruggs. Good. I and want so him to go to jail for a long time. It gives the prosecutors yep. leverage to yep. get a plea deal down. And look, I'm a big advocate of plea deals uh, for, for victims and for resources and everything. Because look, there was a Margaret Rudin, the Black Widow. I don't know if you heard of her. She shot her husband in the head back in 2000. They were very prominent Las Vegas citizens. She just had her conviction overturned last week. Right by a federal judge, twenty years later. So, and I how say is that this, possible? There's whenever a case goes to trial, yeah. there is no finality. Okay, there's no. There's going to be federal appeals going on for the next twenty, thirty years. Right. Uh, Jessica Williams, she killed six kids out here in a DUI back in two thousand. I remember that. That was horrible. She got her conviction overturned in twenty nineteen by a Why? federal judge. Why? How does that happen? She killed six people because she was drunk in a car, killed a bunch of kids. How could anybody overturn that? How could a judge do that? The, this judge twenty years later took a look at the verdict form and said the verdict form was sloppy. I looked at it. I was the one assigned to the case after it came back, and it was sloppy. I don't think it was reason to overturn the convictions. But there's also been a different stance on marijuana, and that case has always been misclassified as, oh, she just had the, the passive metabolite, non, the non-active metabolite, which is not true, but that's how it got couched for decades, and it was overturned. But my point being this is there's no finality without a guilty plea. When they do a guilty plea in court, they give up all these appellate rights, but in order to get a guilty plea, you got to throw a carrot to a defendant, right. and that's something that's hard for victims to understand. You think that's going to happen here um, in, the, in the Ruggs case? Is it going to be a plea deal? Oh, yeah. His attorneys, Chesnov and Schoenfeld, I can't remember the last time. Celebrity attorneys. Celebrity yeah. attorneys. They yeah. plead Grax. They pled Gragson out. Gragson Jacobs got, was Jacobs was know. drunk, and, and he didn't hurt anybody else, but uh, he, got, he didn't even get a DUI. And the officer that arrested him said that he could smell alcohol in his breath. Nothing happened to Jacobs. I, I'm sick and tired of celebrities and people with money. Uh, getting a slap on the wrist compared to somebody who doesn't have money. Uh, it, it, that's why I call it the injustice system sometimes. But going back to the Ruggs case, uh, here's what I've heard. You can tell me whether you agree or not. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, I've heard there'll probably be a plea deal. He might get somewhere around a 10-year sentence, Okay, maybe 10 to 12, maybe. First-time offender. But on good behavior, he might only spend four or five years in jail. Okay, so the way the sentences work in Nevada are you get a range. So the max... 
let's say he's convicted on one charge of DUI death. The max sentence he could get is 20 years. The minimum sentence is two. But we have this 40% rule. So that means if he gets a 20-year prison sentence, he has to be eligible for parole at eight. Okay? The minimum sentence is two, which means his prison sentence would be five years, eligible for parole at two. Explain okay? that to me. Um, just as a human being perspective. You get, and I know there's a lot of mitigating factors. I get that. But if you get into a car, and I know I'm speaking in very general terms, but if you get into a car drunk and you kill somebody because you were drunk, how could any prosecutor or any judge defend, we're going to give that person two years? For the life of me, I don't understand that. You killed somebody because you were drunk, involuntary or not. Right. You're responsible. You did it. How can you? How could any prosecutor look at a family and say, "Well, you know what? We gave him two years." To me, I find that utterly disgusting. Well, you always have to look at the the case as it plays out. Sometimes there's causation issues in a case, not in rugs. I mean, the guy's driving 150 miles an hour, right. rear end somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes there's causation issues where uh, maybe. You know, look, I ha- I've had a couple of cases where I dealt a case out to three years when I was a prosecutor. There were death cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was because it was, you know, uh, you're out by the M Resort. You're riding your bike at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. You're crossing over out of the bike lane. Somebody hits you. Technically, under the law, could I convict them? Uh, yes, it could be, uh, it could be a, a hard question for a jury. To in that decide. case, does that accident happen if that person is not drunk? Well, that's... That would be my argument to a jury. Right. But here's – let's take it away from whether I could prove it or not. I think I could prove it all day. Okay. I think we were in front of a judge that was a very lenient sentencing judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy was out of custody for five years, okay? And COVID happened. And it looks like it's going to be another three years before we take him to trial. Yep. I go to the family. I said, look, if I can get this guy to go into prison and start doing his time right now on a guilty plea, get finality, get a – we definitely know he's going to prison – Let's get some justice now. You know, justice delayed is not justice at all. Yeah. And, and you know, I just had a trial that just today the prosecutors hit me up and said one of your old cases just got a guilty verdict at trial. This girl got killed in 2015. Mm. It's seven years this guy's been out of custody. It's the ridiculous. Family, the dad would show up to every yeah. single hearing. Even if it was a two-minute nothing hearing, he would right. fly in from Texas for mm-hmm. it. Seven years is a long time. That's, that's absurd. Justice. And then I hear the story about, uh, is it Zion? Uh, the kid uh, here in Las Vegas who went to high school yeah, here. Great. Collins. Yeah, Collins. And uh, there's no doubt he was speeding. I spoke to the victim's family. I, my heart goes out to them. He killed somebody. Involuntary or not, this is a guy. This is a, and I'm not going to use the word kid. He's an adult, okay? He's, he's been driving the wrong way on the freeway before. Uh, a moron. Um, I don't think he's going to get any jail time. He has, again, celebrity attorney. He killed somebody. Well, I have a serious problem with you that. Know, his attorneys are not the greatest, all right? They just have this reputation. This goes back to what we say about salesmen versus how good are you really. Yeah. Look, his attorneys are very heavy, heavy political contributors, to all the judges, mm-hmm. uh, to the DAs. The paper runs with that all the time. So, you know, they have access to try and get deals done. But look, I was the prosecutor on Zayon Collins before I left the office. Mm-hmm. And the grand jury did not return the indictment on him. And there's a reason for that. He had a very, very small mar- amount of marijuana in his system. It Was it o- technically over the per se limit? Yes. But when you show the body camera footage and you show these things to a jury, you actually look at it, he didn't look impaired at all. And 
Metrozone chemist. Then how did the officers? Jury. Why did the officers? Some of the officers in the police report think that he was then. Actually, they didn't. They they didn't. They noticed somebody came in and noticed a little fluttering in his eyes. Yeah. And so they did get a search warrant approved to take his blood. But Metro's chemist came in to the grand jury. Yeah. And I, we had to present exculpatory evidence. Metro's own chemist said she's seen scientific reports that that amount of marijuana could be from use from even a week prior. What did he say? Did he ever comment, as, uh, Collins, and, and say, was he smoking weed that day, the day before? No, he denied, denied, denied. He denied, denied, denied. You know, um, he, and so— Okay, so he has—I didn't know you were the prosecutor in that case, by the way. So uh, the legal limit, he was still over the legal limit, so criminally he's still driving the, under the, the influence. The grand jury messed it up. I mean, basically. The yeah. papers ran with it. The defense attorneys ran with it. Yeah. It wasn't any uh, great legal work by the defense. I mean, it fell in their lap. They go, oh, the grand jury didn't return the indictment. Right. And so and that that thing's been, uh, you know, but OK, so I hear what you're saying. We still have uh, a young man who had kids who's dead. OK, I'm real good friends with the family. I still. Tell yes, I had family. his uh, sister on this show. Yeah. She's a wonderful lady. Yeah. I believe she, I might be wrong. I think she lives in New York. Spoke to another member of his family. Uh, just really nice people, really good people that are hurting. And, they, and it's horrible. This guy is dead regardless of how much marijuana was in his body it's still in his body he was still driving under the influence his fault and now i'm i've heard from from the defense that oh no it wasn't his fault it was it was the other guy's fault you know the defense is always going to couch ridiculous i mean the the despicable the grand jury had no problem they returned the reckless driving count their problem was not with fault Mm -hmm. the problem was they didn't and this is the society's view of marijuana's change and actually this is a big point. Is the legislature changed the law on marijuana DUI also? Mm-hmm. Actually, right now, if if he had committed that crime after the law changed, you would have to prove that he was impaired, which no officer thought that he was. Right. So you know, just things have changed in that case. Is Collins ever going to go to jail? I believe so. How much you think? Uh, what would you recommend? Well, what I was recommending before I left was. Uh, you know, have him plead to a reckless driving count instead of the DUI uh, count. And mm-hmm. then maybe a judge would give him probation. Maybe some yeah. jail time. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, that that's a tough case. He was, dri- he was driving like a maniac. If you've ever been out there on Fort Apache. I have, yep. There's a hill right there. Yep. And to be driving your car at 80, 90 miles an hour, yeah. no one can see you coming over that You can't hill. defend that. No matter what's you know, in your you system, can't. you can't defend uh, that. Uh, he needs to go to jail. I don't think he should be a college basketball player. I think he ruined that. You have a young man who's now dead six feet underneath the well, ground. Well, think about this. His defense is doing him no favors because, look, he's a young guy. Yeah. He could have already gone and done his time. He would have already been out. Perhaps. Still in the prime. Yep. And You're, now that's you a great delay point. it, delay it, delay it. When he ends up going in, he's, he's going to be in his mid-20s. Mid-20s. Ex- that's such a great Where's point. Where's he going to play at that point? You're right. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Serve your time, go to jail for several years, and uh, maybe, maybe you can come back and play college basketball. But now I think that's that you're. By the way, I don't feel sorry for him one bit. I feel sorry for the family who lost the loved one. It's horrible. If you're just joining us, he is former chief deputy district attorney here in Las Vegas, Thomas Moscow. We'll take a few phone calls. Number to call 702. 702- Two two one seven two eight three, and again that number. If you want to be a part of the conversation, now's the time to do it. Give us a call two two one save two two one seven two eight three. All right, let's start off with John. John, what's going on, my man? Hey, man, uh, I wanted to ask your guest if he ever uh, prosecuted a case uh, when Steve Wolfson was a defense attorney, uh, and if so, uh, was he a good defense attorney or not? 
Well, that was way before my time. I've been practicing about ten years. I don't think Wolfson uh, was the DA. He, he hasn't been. He hasn't been district attorney for ten years. Yeah, but I've only been practicing for ten years. So I started practicing in Vegas in 2013, uh, and when I joined the DA's office in 2014, he was the DA, and I believe he had been the DA for a couple of years at that point. So no, oh, no, I, He's the district attorney that long. Oh, this is his third term. This is his third oh, term. Mike. So, um, yeah. As a defense attorney, uh, you know, I I only know what I hear on the streets. You know, when you keep your ear to the streets about uh, yeah. Wilson's uh, thing, but you know, he never tried a lot of cases. Yeah. Know, I'll just put it that way. He didn't go to trial very much. Um, Got it. So you answered the question, sir. All right, John. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you again. Go Aces. What's that? Go Aces. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go Aces. Uh, I thought he called you a racist. I'm like, what? No. Go. I'm like, Thomas isn't a racist. I, trust me, uh, Trump is. But that's another story of religion. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's what he said. I thought he said he said Go Aces. I thought he said racist. I'm like, that's not very nice. Thank you for the call, John. 702-221-7283. Again, that number, 221-7283, if you want to be uh, a part of the conversation. All right, I have to ask you this. We talked a little bit about this off the air. Uh, I was a big fan of the Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy movies, the, 40, uh, the 48 hours and another 48 hours. There's a scene in one of the movies Nick Nolte's a police officer, and he runs into a guy at a bar, and he says, you were the one who testified against me. You're the one who got me uh, got me eight years in jail. I was innocent. And then they get into a bar fight. Uh, I'm not saying you, that ever happened to you, but I'm just curious. Have you, Being a, you know, a prosecutor, have you ever ran into somebody in public that recognized you that said, you were the person that put me in jail? Has, have you ever had any awkward interactions like that in public? Well, you know, I was a prosecutor till July of last year, and during my, while I was a prosecutor, I really kept my head low. I didn't go out very much. Uh, you might catch me at the LVAC over at 215 Flamingo, <laughs> something like that. Now yep. that I'm a private defense attorney, I'm out there a lot more. I'm out in yep. the community. Um, and so, no, I still have not Good. come across a person. <laughs> Good. Uh, but, you know, I'm not too worried about it either because if you know, you're talking about 48 Hours. Another one of my favorites was Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. And if you remember when Robert De Niro got out of jail, mm-hmm. he wasn't thinking about the prosecutor on his case all those years. He was thinking about his defense attorney that screwed him over. <laughs> and that's how all these defendants think, too. Yeah. My time in the criminal system, they always think your defense attorney is screwing you over, not doing the work he's supposed to, working with the prosecution. Yeah. And so I'd actually be more in fear of guys I represent as a defense mm-hmm. attorney now, maybe not getting the outcome they want, going right. away for a long time. They just think the prosecutors are doing their job. In a lot of cases, uh, the prosecutors rotate around. So if your case is taking three, four, five years, Mm -hmm. you might see eight, nine different prosecutors throughout Mm -hmm. that time. And um, Mm -hmm. What would you say uh, to, like, Marsha Clark or Paul Darden? What would you say to them? I mean, arguably the biggest case in our lifetime, right? And they weren't able to to, to get the, the conviction. What do you think their mistakes were, and what would you say to them? Well, you know, I think you brought this up earlier, and I meant to piggyback off of it, that, you know, in the civil case, went a lot differently. That right. civil attorney was so prepared. If you've ever watched that documentary of the depositions. I did. He did a great job. Oh, he had dug some yeah. stuff up about the shoes that O.J. said he never wore. Right. He had newspaper articles of him wearing it on several occasions yeah. to where, I, you know, the prosecution was just not prepared in that case. Mm-hmm. and. You could say if they're overworked. I know prosecutors get overworked, but on a case like that, you've had every dispo- every resource at your disposal mm-hmm. uh, to work that case up. So to not do an internet search at the time 
or search for newspaper articles knowing that that's going to come up i really applaud that civil attorney so you can watch that documentary and just see all the missteps that the prosecution made because Mm -hmm. if that civil attorney was the prosecutor and that case went to trial slam dunk who do you think uh two-part question who do you think was the most skilled defense attorney on oj's team and who would you say in history is is the best attorney of all time well i would say the most skilled uh bailey Mm. i mean he's a legend is he still alive no. Uh, no, I think he passed away he pass recently. Away? Johnny Cochran's gone. Cochran's gone. Uh, there's a few that are gone. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know the guys yeah. are running the Cochran firm now. Uh, good guys. Chase, mm-hmm. what's up? If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the classic line. He made, yeah. his, he made his name off of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but Ethley Bailey, was he's the one who... We got Mark Furman, the N word. Oh, N-word. what a jackass! That, that guy. That guy's a jackass, <laughs> isn't he? Doesn't he? A horrible example for for officers, law enforcement. The guy's using the N word. He screwed that case. He really did. He was uh, to me. That's just my opinion. This guy's a moron. Mark Furman, you just you open up a can of worms there. You know, uh, uh, F. Lee died by the way, June third, two thousand and twenty-one. Thank you, Numchuk. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought he did a fantastic job. You know, um, he was not paid on that case, but I he couldn't get off. What so he still of, did the cross-examination, but he was mad about it. I did not it. know that. What did you think about Rob Kardashian? Uh, you know, I never really saw anything that he did in the trial yeah. other than his reaction when the not guilty verdict Yeah, came. he was sho- shocked, right? Shell-shocked. He was surprised. And he was a good friend of OJ. I mean, he was shocked. What does that tell you? you know? They all thought it was probably going to be a guilty oh, verdict, Oh, they right? did. You yeah. know, I mean, look, the evidence was stacked against him, but— they didn't benefit just from like their great legal work mm-hmm. and the way they couched it, but they put the city of L.A. on trial, right. and it was the L.A. PD that was on trial. And look, the community was upset with how the LAPD was treating the black community for yeah. decades. Yeah. And the OJ, was, it was a nullification, really. Do you think uh, George Zimmerman belongs behind bars? I felt, I felt like uh, uh, they went after too much. I think if they did like involuntary manslaughter or something like that, I think they, they tried to charge too high. Uh, what are your thoughts on the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin? I'm trying to name some of these some of the biggest cases in the last couple centuries. Well, well I'll say George Zimmerman is a, um, he's a victim of media coverage. You, know? you think he's a victim? Well, the media coverage. Mm-hmm. Because, look, DAs are elected officials. Right. Cases get into the to the public eye. You, sometimes you can't necessarily go and say, oh, I'm going to do what, what I think is the right thing. I agree. Because you're, you're looking at what the media is going to They tried on. to paint it white versus black. But mm-hmm. this was a race issue because, in my opinion, if Trayvon Martin was white, George Zimmerman doesn't call 911. He racially profiled him. And then the worst part about it is he gets out of the car. Dude. You're not a police officer. You call 911, stop it there, do what they tell you to do, and then he gets out of the car and follows him, which was dumb. I don't blame Trayvon Martin for striking first physically. I don't believe he was scared. He was a young kid. He was scared somebody was following him late at night. Uh, you know, Do I believe he shot him in self-defense? Yes, I do. But he should have never been in that situation to begin with, and that's why I felt Zimmerman uh, probably shouldn't have been convicted, of, which he wasn't, of anything, but not a murderer per se. But I think you can make the argument of involuntary manslaughter because it was Zimmerman's ridiculous actions that led to that. Do you agree with that? Well, look, I'll tell you, I'll answer that story with a story. You know, I used to work in this bar. I was a bartender there, and we had this bouncer. And uh, George Zimmerman always reminded me of him because his Mm -hmm. bouncer would always swear that he was in the Marines. And everybody knew this guy had never been in the Marines, but he even got USMC tattooed on his forearm. You probably know this type of guy. And just trying to be law enforcement and— this fake soldier and this fake law enforcement and that's what i saw from george zimmerman you know um, yeah and 
He's just he's an idiot. And I agree. That's what that's what the criminal justice system we have our hands full with idiots. Speaking of idiots, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, idiot. I do believe what he did was self defense. I do, but that kid should not have been there to begin with. Certainly not with a rifle. And what bothers me about the judge in that case, and it gets my blood boiling. And by the way, the first person that he shot and killed deserved to be shot and killed. But the second and third person, no. They thought there was an active shooter situation, and I believe they were acting uh, heroically. They thought there was an active shooter. The first guy went after him. That was self-defense. The problem I have is the judge did not allow admissible evidence a week before. Kyle Rittenhouse is seen in front of a drugstore saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's on video where you can look it up on YouTube and see it, where he's making a statement like, boy, I, I would love to shoot these guys. I'd love to shoot up these people. That shows a frame of mind that he wasn't there to just be do nice things and protect his city. He was there because he had delusions in his head that he wanted to shoot a bunch of people. And the judge didn't allow it, called it inadmissible. I thought that judge was a fool, and I thought that at a minimum, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, what he did, I, I think proven evidence-wise from a week before, that he had that in his mind, that he wanted to shoot people. He should have never been there to begin with, self-defense or not. And now people, some people on the right find this kid to be a hero where I think he's a criminal. What are your thoughts on the Kyle Rittenhouse case? So, you know, with Kyle Rittenhouse, I never saw that video you're referring to from mm-hmm. a week before. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I did follow the trial really closely, and it was self-defense all the way, all the way, all the way through. I mean, look, the the way criminal law works is this. It, once self-defense becomes part of the trial, mm-hmm. the prosecution has to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt that it's not self-defense. I don't disagree and, with you. And when I watched yeah. him get – when he's running from the first shooting, yeah. I mean, he's basically, from his frame of mind at this point, people are coming up, hitting him in the back of the head. That was the first strike that sent him to the ground. I saw mm-hmm. someone hit him in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a mob jumping over him, right. hitting him, kicking him. Right. At that point – you are going to be in fear of serious bodily injury, and mm-hmm. so he did have the right to unleash I don't the firearm. T- but God, man, I, you're right. I agree with you. Yeah. He should have never been there. Right. Police presence should have been higher. Right. You know, you don't rely on kids like that to be up there policing the city. Uh, but you know, what is local government supposed to do when you have that kind of a? a, sh- a, a it was a, a very showing? dangerous, difficult situation. He should have never been there to begin with, and I think it's very telling. You could tell me whether you agree or not. Right after the shooting, you see him with his hands up, with his AR-15 on, walking with his hands up. Police don't even approach him. They don't go up to him, and he walks away and turns himself in later. The argument that I hear from a lot of people that are black, which I tend to agree with, is if that was a black person that did that, I believe he probably would have been shot. Um, I look at this 18-year-old in Buffalo who shot up a bunch of innocent black people unscathed. He's arrested. Nobody shoots him. Um, interesting. And then I see, you know, uh, Jacob, I forgot his last name, white guy uh, years back who goes into a church and shoots a bunch of black people. And then right after the shooting, a police officer asks him if he's hungry and buys him some Burger King. Uh, it's a fair argument I hear from people that are black where, you know, you could be a black person in this country and maybe, I don't know, uh, selling cigarettes to kids and you're killed. And yet these white people that are shooting a bunch of black people some of them are being fed Burger King unscathed, not even a scrape on them. I think it's a fair argument. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a fair argument. Yeah. I mean, look, there's we look, we have 200 years of racial history here in the U.S., and there's a lot of biases that plays into everybody's heads, and uh, that doesn't mean that they're right, you know. But it's just, I think we're moving in the right direction, Brian. I think we're moving in the right direction. I think, I think all of these riots or protests, whatever you want to call them have really started to shape 
uh, America in a better way as far as how law enforcement mm-hmm. interacts with minorities. Agree. And so, um, you know, maybe, you know, some of these tragedies that are happening, uh, there's positives that are coming out of yeah. it because this is something that needed to be talked about for a long time. I mean, it was Agreed. very recent history, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years ago. I mean, look at the state of this country and where we've come now, yeah. and we still got work to do. Agree. Agree. We still have a lot more work to do, but I do agree uh, we're in a better place now than maybe we even were in uh, when we saw what happened to George Floyd. I think police officers hopefully are going to be a little more awareness of what they're doing. Uh, and I think the general public, too, if you see a police officer – and listen, the overwhelming majority of police officers are, are heroes and good people. Well, let, I am not well, anti-police. Let, let me say this. You know, Those are always national stories. Mm-hmm. When we look at a local level, mm-hmm. look, I have, to give, I, got, I have to give respect to Metro. Mm-hmm. Okay, We have not had one bad shooting here. And we are like the gold standard in the country. And that's what I mean. When we look at locally what's going on with our local politics, local government, our local police force – you know, I'm actually a, an attorney for the police union now. Mm-hmm. If there's a shooting, I go out there, and I'm, I'm right on the scene. And I'll tell you what, nine times out of ten, when I see these officers uh, go live on someone, I say, you should have done it 30 seconds ago when mm-hmm. I'm watching the video footage of it. So our guys locally are doing a great job. And so don't don't look at our own local guys. And these are officers who had two of their own just shot in cold blood at a breakfast place a couple of years ago, if you remember that. I, I, I do. But they still By have two not, Nazi white supremacists. And I, they they I haven't that. overreacted yeah. to be more to be more on edge. Right. And and I have relatives that are on Metro Two now who they are very concerned about their own jobs when they're out there. They're scared to even use force at this point. But locally, everything's going great here in Vegas. I think for the most part, I agree with you. Uh, and as I make a general term, the overwhelming majority of police officers are heroes. I think you can be pro-blue and pro-Black Lives Matter at the same time. I'm one of those people. When I see police officers on the streets or in a restaurant, I shake their hand and I say, thank you for what you do. And I can see how much they appreciate that because they're not getting a lot of good press uh, uh, you know, lately. Uh, at the same time, uh, I want accountability for the few police officers that are bad, that do very, very bad things. Jorge Gomez is a situation that comes to mind for me. Not the brightest bulb in the world. I hate to say that about somebody that's dead now, but Jorge Gomez showed up at a Black Lives Matter protest with guns. Not smart. However, in front of the federal courthouse building where there are cameras everywhere and there were multiple police officers everywhere and they had body cameras, we have yet to see a video that shows Jorge Gomez pointing his weapon at a police officer. All we've seen is Jorge Gomez running away from a police officer and not one person has been brought to justice. In my opinion, based on the evidence, that was murder and that was a disgrace. I agree with you. Most of these officers, Metro, they do a great job. I'm with you. But in that type of situation, when uh, a police officer uh, earlier that day was shot, everybody was on edge. Jorge Gomez, was he not very smart in bringing a gun to a Black Lives Matter protest? Again, absolutely. Not smart. Was he antagonizing police officers? Sure. I have no doubt he was doing that. Stupid, right? But that does not make police officers judge and jury. He was not pointing a gun at an officer. In front of the federal courthouse, if he did, they would have been the first people to release that body camera footage. They didn't. That's why they haven't released it. The only video we saw was him running away from a cop. So while I do agree with you for the most part, I think in cases like that, that police officer is well, a murderer and he should be brought to justice. I don't know if you this story, but you know, we just go right over to Nye County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a story that RJ ran with recently. These guys, they get called to a gun firing. They show up. They yep. find a guy. It's not a gun. It was a cell phone. No big deal. But they end up seeing, like, all right, this guy's got pinpoint pupils. He's obviously yep. on drugs. They find drugs that he in his car. They throw the drugs in the trash. 
They let him get back out, out on the road. They don't arrest him and investigate him for DUI. And then he kills. He hits. He goes into oncoming traffic, drives recklessly, hits a minivan, kills a father and mother, one of their kids, one kid seriously injured. And what is Nye County doing is they're they're they haven't found any wrongdoing on the part of the officers. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a complete CYA mode. And maybe that's attorneys like my yeah. myself. It's our fault because they're worried about getting sued. Uh, but you, you have that accountability too, not just when they're shooting somebody, but how about when they're not getting somebody off the street that they should have because right. they considered it a low priority. Agree. And so the body cam showed, hey, yeah. you can impound the evidence or you can throw it in the trash. Body camera. Said, sounds like trash to me. Body camera. all in the trash. Yeah. Body camera goes both ways. It could absolutely help the officers and it could help, uh, you know, everyday citizens as well. But those body cameras need to be on all the time. Sometimes they're not. And uh, you can't uh, lead well, me. That, to... That's a change you're going to see pretty soon. I hope I so. I know Colorado; it's twenty four seven now. That's There's the way no it should be everywhere. I've been saying that for years, and and that's the way it should be. And I commend them for doing that because it helps both sides here. But you cannot tell me a shooting in front of the federal courthouse here in Las Vegas, where there were what a dozen officers there, and we don't have one camera that shows exactly what happened. I'm not buying it. I remember the story of uh, a black girl who had a knife in her hand and was going after another uh, girl. Totally justified shooting. Guess what happened? The body camera footage was released ASAP, within 10 hours. But now we're led to believe years go by and we don't have one body camera, uh, no evidence of showing that shooting. That 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 stinks to high heaven to me. But anyway, well, this has been a uh, good conversation, Thomas, and uh, you're a great attorney, and I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to come in and, and answering all these questions. Some of them are not easy to answer, but this is your expertise. Can you give out that information before we go here? Uh, where's your office? How can people reach you and, and contact you? Oh, yeah. You know, I do criminal defense now. Uh, longtime prosecutor, 702-848-5555. 702-848-5555. I don't take a lot of cases, so you know I try to communicate with my clients and get them the best outcome that they can. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty easy way to find me. Well, I appreciate you. We certainly need more more attorneys in this town like you, and maybe less of some of the attorneys that I mentioned on the show earlier. Hopefully, they don't file a lawsuit against me. But anyway, uh, Thomas, appreciate you coming in, my man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. All right, that's Thomas Moskal, everybody, uh, former chief deputy district attorney here in Las Vegas and former uh, lead DUI prosecutor as well. Appreciate his time. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, did Tucker Carlson lie on his show? I mean, that's a shocker to a lot of people, I know. Uh, I have the evidence to prove it. Uh, evidence. You see, I'm starting to use those terms now. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. By the way, I want to tell you about an, a, a fresh new candidate, a transgender woman who's running for lieutenant governor. Her name is Eva Chase. And uh, she's actually going to be in studio tomorrow. Uh, she's a champion of the LGBTQ community. She supports Black Lives Matter. She really supports a lot of uh, what I stand for as well. She's great. I want you to do me a favor. Look her up on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Just find out more information about her. She's a wonderful person. And uh, she's going to be coming in studio tomorrow too. By the way, speaking of which, the MVP of the UNLV 92 championship team Anderson Hunt is going to be joining me in studio tomorrow. By the way, yeah, there we go. Little UNLV noise. I like it. Um, so Anderson's in town because he's being honored for the Nevada Hall of Fame. Uh, he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, so he's going to talk to me about that tomorrow. Anderson's a good dude. I always have to buy him lunch, though, every time. You know, Anderson costs me a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. I love Anderson. But uh, he's going to be coming in tomorrow. He says, hey, Shap. You know, he calls me Shap. Hey, Shep, I'm going to uh, the Virgin Casino. I'm going to the pool. You guys want to come with me? I'm like, oh, 
Joy, that sounds terrible. Half-naked women hanging out with a with a UNLV basketball legend. I said, yeah, I think I might be able to do that. So Hunt's going to be joining, joining us in studio tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, folks, I know this might shock you, but I did catch Tucker Carlson in a lie yesterday. So as you know, Tucker Carlson... Some people are saying he's partially responsible for this white replacement theory nonsense because the shooter in Buffalo, 18-year-old scumbag who killed all those innocent people, in the manifesto said he listened to people like Tucker Carlson and this white replacement theory nonsense. This is what Tucker Carlson said on his show yesterday about white replacement theory. All of a sudden, he's playing dumb. Listen to this. You've heard a lot about the great replacement theory recently. It's everywhere in the last two days, and we're still not sure exactly what it is. We're sure we're still not sure exactly what it is. Hmm. Very interesting, Tucker, because I just found a few clips of you talking about that very theory on your show just a month ago. Have a listen to this. I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement. If you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. We've never seen demographic change like this. It's roughly the equivalent of a brand new city of Chicago every year, a city populated entirely by poor people with limited education who can't speak English. And the question is, how is it good for America? Where exactly is all this criminal white supremacy, this right-wing domestic terrorism that poses, quote, the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland? Where is it? Well, of course, it doesn't exist. Interesting, isn't it? That's Tucker Carlson a month ago talking out white replacement theory. Wasn't he just talking about that? By the way, this wasn't years ago, so he can't claim he forgot. He can't pull a Marjorie Taylor Greene and say, I do not recall. I do not recall. He just did it on his show a month ago. Now, you know all the people at Fox News and all the higher-ups there are telling them to knock it off with the white replacement theory, so now Tucker Carlson is going to play dumb. He's going to say he doesn't really even know what white replacement theory is. You just heard him talking about it multiple times within the last couple months. Now, am I saying Tucker Carlson pulled the trigger? No. Am I saying Tucker Carlson is the only person responsible for what this 18-year-old scumbag did? No. But there is partial responsibility. There's no question about that. When you spew right-wing rhetoric, or any type of rhetoric that can incite violence, it doesn't have to be from the right, it could be from the left too. When you spew that type of nonsense, and then somebody executes it, example, Donald Trump. Forget about even January 6th. Donald Trump, every single day, would call CNN the enemy of the people. We'd call them fake news. Do you remember when the nut job brought pipe bombs to CNN? He said he was doing what Donald Trump told him to do. Do you not put any responsibility on Donald Trump? We as members of the media and anybody with a platform has a responsibility to not incite violence. While I might call Donald Trump or somebody, you know, a scumbag, I would never endorse any type of violence. We remember what happened to Steve Sisolak, where that idiot went after Steve Sisolak and his wife in a public restaurant. I believe Justin Anders is his name, or Andarsh, or whatever the hell his name is. We'll call him Justin White Supremacist, just for today. Um, Justin went after Steve Sisolak in a public place, threatened him, followed him to his car. As much as all you people know how much I despise Donald Trump, I would say the same thing about anybody who did that to Donald Trump because it's wrong. Because nobody should be treated that way and nobody should be threatened 
It's wrong. It doesn't matter what political party you're on. But some members of the Republican Party in Las Vegas did a meet and greet with that guy, and they held him up to a pedestal. That's dangerous. Why? Because then you're saying to yourself, if you threaten a politician and you accost them in a public place, we're going to hold you up to a pedestal, and we're going to do a meet and greet with you because we're going to make you a local celebrity. Now, Justin's 15 minutes of fame are over, but it's disgusting. And it shouldn't happen. Not in Las Vegas, not in this country, not anywhere in the world. We can disagree with people. You can call people names, but that doesn't mean you should accost somebody in a public place because it's wrong. And there are laws put in place. And listen, I understand why Governor Sisolak didn't want to press charges there. I get it. And I talked to him about it. I talked to his lovely wife. They're very nice people. You can disagree with Sisolak. You don't always have to agree with them. I think they're decent people. His wife's a decent person. And they were scared and she was scared. And rightfully so. You don't know who this guy is. I don't like what Governor Sisolak did. He should have, uh, in my personal opinion, pressed charges. Why? Because it sets a very bad precedence moving forward. You're basically saying, even though I want this stuff to go away and I don't want to have to deal with it anymore, if you threaten or accost a politician in public, you're not going to get charges pressed against you. Clearly, we all saw that video. We all know that that was a threat. It was a clear threat. The guy followed his family to their car. Does that mean that Justin should go to jail for a long period of time? No. But I think people should be held accountable for their actions, Democrat or Republican. To me, it's very simple. Going back to this Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity, or Mark Levin, or any of these people that incite violence, because they all do, as far as I'm concerned. Anybody who believes in the big lie, anybody who goes after our democracy, anybody who calls January 6th a tourist visit. You know, it's funny. John Stockton. It's not funny. It's pathetic. John Stockton, one of the best point guards of all time. I grew up watching him. He wrote a letter to a judge telling, uh, saying that one of the insurrectionists uh, great, great girl. I've known her for years. I've known her husband for years. Okay, that's nice. But she was an insurrectionist, and she needs to pay the price for that. And if a judge looks at a letter that John Stockton writes him and says, oh, wow, one of the best point guards of all time says, I shouldn't give this woman any jail time. I, I hope that judge doesn't do that. But shouldn't we be doing the opposite? Instead of defending insurrectionists, Let's, let's try doing the opposite. Let's call out bad behavior. Let's call out things that can hurt or harm people. Let's call out lies. In my personal opinion, that's what we should be doing in this country. Not defending insurrectionists. Not defending bad behavior. I don't defend violence at a Black Lives Matter protest any more than I would defend a January 6th insurrectionist because they're both horrible and wrong. The difference is is that one protest was being done based on a lie and these other protests were being done based on people that want equality. Doesn't mean I condone violence. Anybody who committed any violent act at a Black Lives Matter protest, they need to be held to the uh, account. But when I bring up January 6th, stop bringing up Black Lives Matter. One has nothing to do with the other. Anybody who commits a violent crime should be held to account. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I want to thank uh, my guest, uh, one of my favorite comics, Steve Hofstetter. He joined us today. I love that guy. I'm going to be checking out his show tomorrow uh, in Las Vegas. And, of course, I also want to thank Thomas Moskal, former chief deputy district attorney here. I have a feeling you're going to be hearing more from Thomas on this show moving forward. I love having him in studio. Great guest. Uh, tomorrow on the show, UNLV legend, 
national champion with UNLV. Anderson Hunt's going to be joining us in studio. I am really looking forward to that. And uh, running for lieutenant governor. Eva Chase is going to be joining us in studio as well tomorrow. So really looking forward uh, to those show that that show tomorrow as well. Hey, and tomorrow's Friday. I need a weekend, man. I got to tell you, it's been a long week of shows. Not that I don't enjoy being here. I do because Numchuck is so incredible. By the way, my favorite moment of this week uh, was Chris Wynn in studio when he was, was sweating. Remember bro, that number? Bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, bro. Uh, sweating with a very beautiful black woman that was sitting right next to him. And he, he was, uh, he's not very good around women, you know, so. Uh, but they are going to go on that date, by the way, Chuck. They are going to. Eventually, they're going to go on that date at Ellis Island. I think they're going to go catch some barbecue. That's what I like to do on this show sometimes with some of my friends. I like to make them as uncomfortable as possible because I think it's good radio. You know, I, would you say I accomplished that with, with Chris? Did I do that? Oh, yes. I did. Very much so. Yeah, I did. Anyway. They're, they're Sorry, Seawind. <laughs> Sorry, man. What, what, what can I do? Hey, Las Vegas Aces tonight, guys. It's going to be fun. Going to be checking out a little Aces basketball and my girl, uh, uh, Plum. I heard she's dating D'Angelo Russell, by the way. So I guess I don't have a chance. Too bad. I always thought she had a fetish for bald Jewish guys. I really did. But, uh, you know, some women do. You, know, you might be surprised. Anyway. All right, folks, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, check us out on social media where uh, if you missed any of our shows, we podcast them on my Twitter page, Pushing Limits LV, on the Pushing the Limits Facebook page, on my personal Facebook page. It's all out there. And I always need friends, so add add me. I, I could always use some new friends out there. Uh, have a great day, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow. Have a good one.